You are listening to First Church Charlotte. Our vision ride, our focus right here tonight. And I want to receive what the Spirit would say in my life and in your and in your life. I want to rec- I don't want to simply have church as you know self-improvement. The Bible's full of, of principles of self-improvement. In fact, if you if you find a, one of those self-help books uh, or one of those kind of, you know, fix-your-life type books, I promise you, before those principles were in that book, they were in the Word of God. I have never read one of these kind of self-improvement books that the whole time through, I'm like, well, yeah, John said that, and yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> Proverbs, <laughs> hello, Solomon, uh, uh, there's a lot of things we can get just on that level. That's not what I'm here for tonight. I want to have the word of the Lord speak into my life. I want a spiritual understanding. Somebody say spiritual understanding. I crave that. And uh, let's stand together before we continue. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to read from Psalms 91. And I am going to continue what I started last week, but then did not, did not teach or preach. I made the mistake last week of uh, reading 1 Timothy 6 and 16 where the Bible talks about he dwells in unapproachable light. God dwells in unapproachable light. And that led me on a journey all the way back to Genesis 1 and we talked about order in the Garden of Eden mission and purpose in the Garden of Eden and identity in the Garden of Eden. And uh, I I kind of am sorry, but not a lot. Uh, That's the result of being a compulsive Bible student and just having more than you can say. Uh, If you spend time in the presence of the Lord, uh, you end up with this sense of, of, of richness of word. Does that make sense to anybody? If you, the, the word is so rich and you spend time with it and you just feel like, man, there is more here than I am, I am able to, able to really uh, do justice to. So we're in Psalms 91 and I am talking tonight about divine protection. So as soon as I get there, we will read a few scriptures in Psalms 91. Uh, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, say it with me, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. We'll stop there. We'll go through the psalm as we as we continue. Before you're seated, turn around, high five somebody and say, this is for you tonight. Make sure you're listening. <clears throat> Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray your anointing on the rest of this service, Lord. I pray your anointing upon this this Bible study. I want to speak with your truth. I want to speak with your principle. I want to convey something that is timeless and eternal. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to live my life in the protective custody of God. How many of you feel that way? I want to live my life in the protective custody uh, of the Lord. Uh, Protection is such a fundamental part of feeling as though you belong. 
there's no child in anywhere uh, with a a sense of parents in their life and a sense of being cherished by their parents and a sense of being deeply valued by their parents who does not instinctively know <clears throat> that their parents will protect them uh, almost at all, uh, at all costs. Their parents will protect them. I, I've seen little children when they're afraid uh, what do they want? They want to turn to their mother. They want to turn to their father. If they, if they doubt, <clears throat> if, if a child doubts parental protection, then whether or not they know how to put it in words, they begin to feel like an orphan. Amen. Because to be an orphan is to be alone in the world and not to have an advocate, not to have someone who will protect you protect you, someone who will provide for you. I think one of the ways that the enemy destroys faith among people of faith is to create in them through fear, through struggle, to create in them an orphan spirit where they, they say they believe and they may even celebrate belief, but they live in a state of low-grade fear because they are in some way expecting bad things to happen. I want to I start with a, <clears throat> a, a personal confession of sorts. I, I, I'm a big believer in confession. If, if, if you have a series of setbacks in your life, how many of, how many of you have ever lived with this sense of you just had a, a series of setbacks in your life and you got to this point where you were just looking where the next bad news was going to come from? Um, that's real. If you have a few bad things happen to you, you begin to live with faith in the wrong things. It's not that you don't have faith, you just don't have faith in God. You deeply believe in trouble. And you deeply expect bad things to happen. So you can't say you don't have faith. You have faith that bad things are going to happen. But you just don't have faith in God. Now, uh, on one level, this is a lived, a lived experience. If you're having a tough year, and a lot of things are happening, happening to you all at once, if you're not careful, you start living with a spiritual flinch. I, I am a walking, living, breathing example of this. I have gotten to points in my faith that when the phone rang, I had a little shot of adrenaline in my spirit, in my, in my stomach. You know that little shot of adrenaline where you feel sick, just a little bit sick at your stomach because you're expecting another. And you answer the phone with this sense of what now? Now, this is, this is perhaps part of all of our journeys. Uh, if you go through a tough time, a series of bad uh, bad things happen. I, I've, I've walked with some of you guys uh, through that experience. Some of you guys uh, have lost loved ones just right in a row, a bunch of loved ones uh, all at once. Uh, we've had staff members who went through a lot of, of loss all at once uh, here, and I walked with them through that. My wife and I have lived with a sense of what else can go wrong, and we begin to have faith in all the wrong things, and uh, this is so powerful because you, through fear, lose more than faith. I want to say that again because I want you to breathe that in and hold on to it just for a moment <laughs> for an image.
When you live in fear, you lose more than just faith. Fear is a direct attack on divine order. God is in heaven and all things are under his control. Fear is a direct attack on identity. We talked about this last week. I am a child of God. The Lord will not allow anything to happen in my life except that which is of his will. And he will have carefully weighed it to make sure I am more than capable of being victorious over it. I will have, simply through fear, seen a chop on divine order, a chop on identity. And when you are hurting and terrified, there is no risk of you living in mission. Seeing any need beyond your own need. And that is why this idea of the enemy attacking us in the arena of fear to get us to believe that we are somehow outside of God's protection. Therefore, any terrible thing might happen to us. This is so effective that when Satan brought a spiritual assault against Jesus himself, this is how he chose to do it. He chose to quote to Jesus Psalms 91. We read Psalms 91 together. The only time in the scripture where you directly see Satan quoting from a passage we know about is in Psalms 91 where he quotes this back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan may not understand Godhead in flesh, Father, eternal, Son, flesh. And he certainly doesn't understand that it is going to be summed up through the Calvary, through the, through the moment of Calvary and the giving of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't see that. But he surely knows there's something unique about Jesus. Because even Jesus' enemies said, no man has ever spoke like this man. And so I have to believe that Satan brought his A-game when he came to assault Jesus. And he quotes Psalms 91 directly on this issue of, of the protection that is promised to the Son of God. Uh, you can read the story yourself in Matthew chapter number 4. And I want to show you, without taking time to, to read all of the passage, uh, I want to show you what Satan does. The first thing he does is he takes them up to a high place or to the temple, uh, the highest point of the temple. And he quotes this passage to him that there is, there is no harm that will come to him. And he... He then invites Jesus to test what he has been given in word against what he sees in his flesh. I want you to see this, every temptation. I don't have time to sp spend here. I want you to get this. This is, this is one of the most maturing things that can happen in your walk with God. This is how the enemy will test you. He will juxtapose, place one right beside another, what you can see with your eyes, and what you know through the word. And he will try to get you to feel the absurdity between what God has said, and I feel the spirit here tonight, what God has said and what you see with your eyes. And the test is always going to be, which will you choose? The eyes of the flesh or the promise of the word? 
over and over in our life. I mean, rinse and repeat. This is the spiritual battle that happens. I'm going to show you something. Then I'm going to quote a passage to you and try to get you to see the absurdity between what you see what you feel, what you're living through, and what God has said. Here's the reality. God says you are more than a conqueror, but you're not living that way. You're not feeling that. And so the devil says, look at the absurdity between what God had said and what you see with your own eyes. You ought to just quit believing. And what does Jesus do every time of the three temptations? He chooses the word of promise over the evidence of flesh. You ought to preach that a little more. That's... um, That's better than I expected. I thought it was just Wednesday night. Church, this is so fundamental. This is so fundamental. Because this is the test of faith in our lives. The Lord will show you what seems impossible. Really heal you from that disease? The Word of God says, by His stripes ye are healed. And to hold on to the tension in our lives of what we know through Word and what we live through experience is what it means to be the children of Abraham and to walk away from everything we find comfortable and look for a place in God where my very being is held within the place of promise. It is a city whose builder and maker is God. That's what I am looking for. I often stand upon the promise of word when I have not lived its evidence in my life. I speak to a city and say God is bringing a great revival to this city. And then I find out something about this and something about that, which is a chop on faith. I read some statistic about people are not as spiritual or as religious as they once were. And and the enemy says, see, and I say right back to the enemy, you have put between me a choice of the word of promise or the evidence of flesh. And if I'm going to be a man of God, I'm always going to choose the word of promise. So I say to the mountain, be ye removed. Uh, I'm off my notes again. I'm never going to get this Bible study done. Uh, protection is important. When the, when the, the enemy quotes Psalms 91 to, to the Lord uh, as a challenge, this is a messianic promise that applies to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And you'll see, if you read this, this psalm, you'll see threaded through it, uh, almost like layers, beautiful layers, are layers that apply uh, to the people reading it and celebrating it in the Old Testament, layers that apply to the modern believer holding on to faith in a world that is uh, filled with secular uh, ideas and uh, the effects of modernity and all of the carnality that goes along with that. There's also layers of it that that resonate with the promises of what Jesus accomplished in his life and in his death and in his resurrection. I want to real quickly give you some of the, the scriptures out of this. And we are going to, we are going to uh, try to uh, remind ourselves of truths that you will have heard before, of course, but you need to get in the habit of celebrating on a regular basis. And so, uh, Psalms 91, as we read together, uh, it is a, begins with this general 
statement, this general proclamation of trust in God. And it, it says this, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Uh, shelter and shadow are bo- both things you have to go through before you get to me. Whether it's shadow or shelter, there's something you have to go through before you get to me. How can I be strong? Because you have to go through God to get to me. How can you have authority over the enemy in your life? Because between you and the enemy is the promises of God, the word of God, and the presence of God. And this secret place that is referred to here at the, at the, very, <clears throat> at the very outset, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, I, I would like to suggest to you this and take a moment Uh, kind of unpacking this. The secret place that is being referred to here is not so much a place as it is a person. And so I am made, I am given protection in the secret place of God. This secret place is not, I don't think, best understood in terms of a place geographically, so much as it is understood in terms of a place spiritually. I have been made accessible to the glory of God through what Christ has done for me. And therefore, I am protected in Jesus Christ. Psalms 90 and 1, this is the psalm before this. Moses sings this for all the people. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Do you remember what I said? It's not so much a place as it is a person. My dwelling place is not a mark on a map. I I came across a little interesting fun fact. Um, Back in map making days, people, uh, map makers would put a fake city, a very inconspicuous fake city on a map. And then when they were looking for anyone who had copied their map without paying proper uh, royalties on that copy, uh, they would look for the inconspicuous false city. And if the false city was on your map, they knew you had ripped them off. There's no false cities on God's map. Uh, I want you to see that if it's true in the Old Testament, how much more is it true in the, nest, uh, in the New Testament? Lord, you have been our dwelling place. Where am I going to dwell? In the secret place of the Most High. My dwelling is in the victory Christ has purchased for me. <clears throat> in the day of trouble, David says, Psalm 27 verse 5, in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe. Where? In his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent. What is that? That's an image of the tabernacle where the Shekinah glory of God dwells. What is that fulfilled in our day as you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? All right, moving along. So in this 
passage is this profound, bold declaration. The Lord will protect the one who trusts in him. We are protected by being in Christ Jesus. I want to make sure that all of you are reminded that protection is best understood in eternal terms, not in temporal terms. Because if you only understand divine protection in temporal terms, then it will incline you to miss what God has done for you. You see, the most important protection that God places in our life is not to protect us from that which hurts this physical body. In fact, Jesus deals with this issue directly when he says, don't be afraid of the person who can harm your body. Now, this is important when you're teaching a group of people and all of them are going to be killed except for one. Thank God the preacher knew what they needed to hear. (laughs) And Jesus tells these disciples, all of whom are going to die. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I've never run the aisles when someone said, hey, news flash, you're going to die. That has never got a sense of joy out of me. Uh, it's a sad truth. It's the first great sadness of human life when you realize uh, your, your this body is going to pass away. If you only see protection as here and now, you will have missed what God has really done for you. Because your greatest enemy was not simply the death, biological death. Your greatest enemy was spiritual death, or said this way, divine separation. So let me say it this way. I want to understand God's protection like this. If I get hit by a Mack truck on the way home, God forbid, hopefully it'll be a Mack truck and not a Peterbilt. Uh, If I get hit by a Mack truck on the way home, mourn for me, but don't mourn for me like those who have no hope, because I'm still under God's protection. And although this mortal body will have taken on immortality, I am still under God's protection. And the enemy cannot touch me. Remember the image, and this is such a... Uh, there's some Old Testament images where uh, I feel like I'm just, I'm looking through this dark glass and I just don't understand. And I, I would say one image that I have, I have I've done that with more than any other. And uh, interestingly, uh, in my conversations I have with some of my pastoral friends, the image that we have most commonly discussed uh, as far as connoting deep spiritual things is the image of the archangel Michael contending with Lucifer over the body of Moses. Now, if you want to get spooky, you know how when you're kids and you do a sleepover, someone wants to tell uh, uh, a really, really scary story. There's something in the nature to try to scare themselves. And uh, you know you did it. And you know I did it. I, my, um, my, my grandpa, uh, you guys didn't have the honor of knowing my grandpa, uh, Gene Honeycutt. Uh, he... He is responsible for a lot of my personality. So if I don't make it to heaven, it's Gene Honeycutt's fault. Um, Because I'm otherwise pretty much perfect, except for my personality. (laughs) Uh, But he's responsible for it, largely him and my carnal mom. But moving along, uh, (laughs) no, my mom is hilarious. You just need to make a road trip with her to see how crazy she is. Anyway, um, so uh, he, he... uh, he, his parents died when he was uh, very young. I think if I remember st- a story right, his parents died when he was seven. Um, and he uh, grew up as an orphan in the state of North Carolina. And he, he made his, he survived by 
going from farm to farm and asking if there was work for him to do. And they would either take him in or they'd let him sleep there in the barn. And uh, this is just, I mean, this is not that long ago. This is, you know, depression uh, times. And uh, that's how he, he, having lost his parents at a very young age, he lived. He would go from farm to farm and he lived as an orphan. And he, he had brothers and sisters, but they were in no better shape than, than he was. They would all kind of uh, spread out looking for work, looking for a place to care. Um, and so I asked him when I was young, I asked him what he did for, for fun. And true story, true story. He said his favorite thing to do as a very young person was to catch people. There was this, a cut, a shortcut through a cemetery. And um, he said, uh, because he had, he had, had lived out so much, he wasn't afraid at, at, at cemetery. And he would go there at night and he would, he would, uh, light, take a lantern and he would, uh, he would, catch people walking through the cemetery. Now, you imagine this orphan living by himself, kind of almost a feral kid, kind of like my kids, you know, a feral kid. <laughs> and he would have this little lantern, and as they, as they were walking through the cemetery, he would light the lantern, hide it behind a, a tombstone, and start making sounds. And he, in his 70s, he would tell me this story, and he would just die laughing and slap his leg. Just the funniest thing ever, you know. He said people would start walking through that thing, and I'd light that lantern, and I'd start saying, woo, 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 woo. He said, you've never seen people run so fast in their life. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember what point I was trying to make. I got sidetracked on that story. Um, oh, contending for the body of Moses. I don't exactly know what's going on here. I, I, I will tie together some threads. If you promise at the end of tying these threads together, you will not decide we understand. Okay, the biggest mistake Bible students do is they grab one thread, two thread, three threads, therefore they understand. Honey, you probably just have some threads. So, I'll give you some threads. At Calvary, he is going, he is going to have final victory over death, hell, and the grave. It may be, we will not understand after we've touched these threads, but we're going to have some fun, okay? It may be that the only way that Lucifer had a right to eat even battle the archangel for the body of Moses was related to somehow the separation of sin at the garden, the right of judgment through that sin, and the final separation at death from the Spirit of the Lord. You might could make some threads there, but please do not think we understand what happened there. And if you hear a preacher say we do, well, he's got more confidence than I do. Um, so I, I want you to see this image. Um, the greatest protection in our life is whether I am alive this time next year. Hell can't put its hands on me. Don't rush past that. Don't get so fervent in praying that you'll never get cancer that you forget that it doesn't matter if you do. Oh, y'all didn't just... That's some fine preaching. Man, you just broke it down. It's not your fault. I want you to see this. Don't get so fearful at being worried about something tragic happening in your life where you cannot say in your spirit, obviously I don't want anything bad happen to me, but even if it does, I'm all good. <laughs> because he has been my dwelling place. That's the only way the Apostle Paul can look death in the eye and say, it's all good. Well, he didn't say that except in the NJE version he says that. Uh, but to live is Christ and to die is 
better. Because then I am, there's no veil between my spirit and his presence. God's greatest gift of protection in your life is that there's nothing that happens in this life that matters all that much because you will spend eternity in the presence of God with your loved ones. So don't think you've lost them. You've just lost them for a little while. Thank you, Lord, for that kind of protection in our life, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that kind of protection. I want you to be reminded, as the psalmist wants you to be reminded, I'm almost done. Uh, I want you to be reminded that uh, the Lord is watching over you. He will save you from the fowler snare and from the deadly pestilence. This is an image of a mother bird that would protect its fledglings. I had a crazy experience happen today. I guess the Lord knew I was teaching this tonight. Uh, I was uh, walking through a parking lot and evidently I got too close to a, a tree that was in one of the green zones there and there was a mockingbird in this tree. This happened today of all the crazy days. And I'm in, I'm in this big parking lot and this mockingbird flies. He did not like me getting close to his tree. He was like, don't, 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 don't make me come down there. And I'm walking along and I feel this, Phew! that mockingbird picked a fight with me. <laughs> I couldn't, I turned, it was a pitiful little strike. I mean, my little girl can hit substantially harder than that mockingbird, but still the audacity. And, um, it shocked me. I nearly fell over. I had my iPad and I spun around with my iPad just like this. I'm going to give you all a demonstration of my, my fine ninja skills. I'm like, I think, I went, I got to the third hop like this and I stopped and looked and there was a lady sitting in the car watching me. So, you know what I did? I was like, what I should have done is don't make me come over there <laughs> Lord help us all so this image of a mother bird protecting its, its young I want you to see again threads okay this is the image in the New Testament when Jesus weeps over Jerusalem what does he say oh how I would love to have gathered you as a hen gathers her her brood her her what flock chicks preacher has to be careful talking about gathering chicks just so you <laughs> there's been too many preachers gathering chicks and um so I, I can't deal with the chick i've got i don't need any more chicks note just public service announcement i've been chickleted out this is the image. Almost done. Almost done. Spiritual crowd here. So, this is the image. The, I want you to see this. Why would Jesus say this as an expression of the heart of God? This is what I want you to see. It is... Oh, my Lord. God, help us to get this. It isn't just our hearts that craves for God's protection in our life. It's God that craves to protect us. Do you 
just us craving God's protection. It's God craving to protect us. So don't just see yourself like this. See God like this. Uh, so I've got more. Let's stop. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I just, let's st- step out of the chair you're in. Come, come down to the front. I want us to pray here. I feel such a touch of the presence of the Lord. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but you might be feeling it too. Just our guests and friends, feel free to come with us. I promise you, we will not embarrass you in any way. We're glad you're here. We just, this is how we respond to the moving of the presence of the Lord among us. Oh, how we love you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I'm praying for the person in this house right now who has felt too much fear. And they are tonight, perhaps, for the first time in a while, they're perceiving how much their fear has Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.